it's time for a bonus, a bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path. Off the beaten path. We're off. Oh, oh hey, friends. How oh, you doing? hey. We're back to our regular schedule. That's yeah. Not, yeah, we were off schedule last week, but that's all recording good. Wise. My therapist recording tried, wise. My therapist tried to rec- re- tried to record therapy today. She wanted to meet me at 5:30 today and I said, "I can't. I cannot. <laughs> for I must record my podcast." <laughs> oh, I understand. Well, you should have invited her. We could have aired some things out. Oh, uh, we could work it. Yeah. I have y'all listened her. to our new trailer? Yeah. Yes, I listened to the yes. trailer. It it's was good, good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good. It's kind of fun. We we re-recorded our trailer. Episode. The what episode? The rant episode. Rant. Rent. Rent. Oh. Yeah. Rent. Yeah. Sorry, rent. new trailer. Cool. <laughs> There's a new trailer. Uh and the rent episode also. Check that out. Um <laughs> hi friends. Uh welcome. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, welcome to Theater Theater. The, y'all were going to talk about House of the Dragon. You didn't talk about it. It's okay. Welcome to Theater Theater. We didn't. Uh... The theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the LA theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm CJ Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And as always, to cleanse our palate between playwrights, we offer you another bonus episode of Theater Theater and Stuff. Bonus episode. Where we pick theater adjacent things and nerd out over them. And this week is a Scott Pitt. Y'all, I'm sorry. I My my uh, energy is low. I had a You're long day. You're fucking great. You've had a long, long day. day. You've been right. working. It's all right. You're yeah, doing you've great. Been you've been living the dream <laughs> today a little bit. I've been living the dream by staying home from work and writing. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's been great. No, it's been fun. Um, So, Scott. Yeah. It's your pick this week. It is. You introduced me to something this week, if I'm being honest. Tell us what it is. Uh, It's Mike Lee's Secrets and Lies. Um, When picking these in stuffs, I've tended to try and look for directors or films or TV shows or whatever that are connected to theater, um, like Joe Dorowski. And rather than watch more (laughs) Joe Dorowski and put CJ through Joe Dorowski, I was like, oh, Mike Lee. Um, every time I see David Thewlis, I think of Mike Lee, um, oh, sure. b- because he kind of not in this film, but yeah. not in this film, but right. um, he kind of launched David Thewlis's uh screen career with the I film assume you're talking Naked. about Naked, yeah, Naked, yeah, which he won the um, uh, I think it won the pong. Oh, no, he won Mike Lee won Best Director and David Thewlis won Best Actor at Caen that let me, year. Let me tell you this, Scott. Naked has been added to top of my list of watches for next my next watch after watching Secrets and Lies. Right on. It's um it's a fun one. It's a hard one to find, or I would have suggested. I think it's on Criterion. I'm sure uh, it is. I'm gonna find it. You're gonna find it. Um, but anyway, but what Mike Lee has done, and I think he's far more um uh, far bigger in England than he is here. Um is that he's fused his background as he's fused his theater and film knowledge in order to 
create his work. He does a huge amount of improvisation with actors individually over a long period of time, developing backstory and story. He had this sort of notion that the rehearsal process and the writing process could be the same. Mm. And uh, just at the time that he came up, um was was a fascinating time it was the late 50s early 60s in london peter brook is doing stuff samuel beckett's at the top of his game pinter's uh, emerging huge and he's in the middle of it uh in london and so i just thought and then secrets and lies is a movie that comes comes back around every once in a while i'm like god damn that's a good little flick why don't we check that out yeah and so uh just the acting in it and the way that he tells his stories and the way he directs i just thought let's give it a shot and we'll do I it i think it stuff. was it was a good choice a worthwhile choice i'm i'm excited about this one i i didn't know much about him to be honest right. um i've since done some research i'm very excited to watch way more of these movies i know about when i read his imdb i'm like oh i know yeah you know a lot stu- of these you, movies yeah and i then, just haven't seen them so i've right. seen i've seen topsy-turvy and i've seen mr turner which i adore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mr turner a big snub in my opinion in a lot of oscar categories right. um but i have also heard of Vera Drake, of course. Yeah, which is Imelda Staunton and right. a true story about um, basically a midwife in England in the 40s and 50s who starts doing underground abortions and gets yeah. arrested mm. for it. It's an, an amazing performance. And I think she got an Oscar nom for that um, back yeah. in the day. And I feel like All or Nothing. She's playing the had Queen some... in The Crown coming up. Yes, she is. Yes. Oh, right, right, right. Um, I feel like All or Nothing, which also has a lot of this cast and it, also mm-hmm. got a lot of Oscar buzz. Or yeah, like at least, BAFTA at least and, like... yeah, all of that. Yeah, and yeah. He's frequent. Yeah, when you look at his list of awards, it's it's insane. But again, it's not big pop culture stuff. It's not. It's these. You know, he's interested in small little moments and people and situations and letting them unfold in uh, a natural way it's uh, have you have you seen his newest film which sounds like the name of an episode of family guy no peterloo Uh, peterloo no i have not seen it yet no It was, what, 2018 or something? Yeah, 2018. It's an epic portrayal of the events surrounding the infamous 1819 Peterloo Massacre, so I shouldn't have made a Family Guy joke surrounding it. Wow, wow. I've never heard of that before. It's British. So, very British. And that's, you know, I I do have a, I I prepped a a brief Scottopedia. An unstuffed light Scottopedia hey, for this. I'd love to hear it. For the movie specifically or for Mike Lee? For Mike Lee. Oh, I love that. Okay, well, I, I can't wait to learn. Scottopedia. All right. Um, so Mike Lee's born in 1943, uh, and he is an English film and theater director, screenwriter, and playwright. And I think that I looked. I tried to look up his plays and couldn't really find any titles. I was yeah. interested to know if I'd heard of anything. Yeah, again, they seem to be so British centric that that we they don't make it across the pond a lot. But I'm. But I'm they're now... not on his Wikipedia either. Also, oh, that, am I crazy that some of his movies have just been made into stage shows and therefore it's like quote unquote playwright? Like, this... isn't Vera Drake a st- stage show now? Oh, I don't know. That may I be. I could be wrong. I could be. Okay. Wrong. Um. 
but he studied at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art and further at the uh, Cumberwell School of Art and the Central School of Art and Design and the London School of Film Technique. Um, He began his career as a theater director and playwright in the mid-1960s before transitioning to making televised plays and films for BBC television in the 70s and 80s. Lee is known for his lengthy rehearsal and improvisation techniques with actors to build characters and narratives for his films. His purpose is to capture reality and present emotional, subjective, intuitive, instinctive, vulnerable films. His films and stage plays, according to critic Michael Coveney, uh, compromise a distinctive homogenous body of work which stands com- in which stands comparison with anyone's in the British theater and cinema over the same period. Mm. Um, so yeah, I did uh, find his list of plays. Oh, did you read it? Yeah. Um, well, he his first play is in 1965 called The Box Play, and it's like at an art center, the Midlands Art Center in Birmingham. But then he's also written shit Alabama. like Alabama. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Birmingham, I said Birmingham, 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 not Birmingham. Birmingham. Um, <laughs> well, Birmingham is in is in England, so you're, you're off base. Um, it's fine. <laughs> uh, individual fruit pies was for an acting school, but then he's done shit at the Royal Court and the Royal Shakespeare Company and Hampstead and all that shit too. So it it runs the gambit. Sorry to interrupt. No, I think that, uh, and I, from what I know about his plays and playwriting is that he's using the same technique. So he's not necessarily separating himself as a distinctive director who's directing a play that he has written. This is all part of a process. So he's the writer director uh, all the time. And his last play was in 2011, Grief at the oh, no, Grief Theater in London. Yeah, in yeah. Yeah, I have so, heard of that. Yeah. So he, yeah, he's written, I'd say he's written at least 15 plays. Um, 20. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's in it. And um, one of the interesting things I read was that when he first moved to London in like the late 50s to be a student, um, that one of the first movies he saw was Shadows, which is a John Cassavetes film, who's another person that at some point we should take a look at although his stuff is a little a little rougher to to take but it's the same sort of principle he's taking you know actors all from the same school and he's using kind of improv not the same kind of improv that mike lee does um and then and shooting very raw sort of human moments and all that but i just thought that was a an interesting little little take on him yeah i agree i I'm I'm intrigued to go and watch all of these movies now, especially after watching this one. I think I already said that, but I'm saying it again because I think it's worth noting in the log. Will you note that? Yeah, noted. Thanks. Got it. But I want to let's talk about is that is that Scott Apedia or, or yeah 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 that's the big stuff. We, can, we uh, did it, Scott. Yeah. I I I think as when I really think about like you know when you chose Jodorowsky right, and I had that little bit of like okay. How is this? How is this theater? Right? Like, but then you convinced me on the episode. This episode, you're not going to have to. Watching me watch his movies. <laughs> right. That's true. In a lot of ways, that was its own one woman opera. Adventure. Of, of one screeching. Woman opera. <laughs> um, it was fun. No, that was fun. But I lost my point. But the idea no, you, is that you won't, oh, you won't have to convince me this time because. 
The whole movie, I felt like I was watching a play. Yes, yeah. And I kept being like, I can't wait to read this play script. And then going, oh, wait, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. So yeah. I want to... I want to know what it's about, and the listeners do too, I'm sure, if they haven't seen it. Or if they have, I'm sure they want to hear CJ's take. <laughs> CJ's Breakdown. Hortense is a successful black optometrist living in London. When her adoptive mother dies, she decides to find her birth mother and is very surprised when she meets Cynthia, a poor, emotionally stunted white woman living in East London. Equally surprised, Cynthia eventually decides to spend time with Hortense and they bond. But the shit really hits the fan when she invites Hortense to a family barbecue and we find the consequence of secrets and lies. lies. Bam, bam, well, bam, well bam, Tiffany's bam. Fall says it in the movie. It says yes. it in the movie. Ah, he says secrets and lies. Yeah. <laughs> this is the title. It's my now favorite part of every movie. Yeah. That um, has a name. <laughs> that's called something oh is it yeah like wh- the line where someone says the it's like the li- it's not the, the titular line but it's i'm gonna find it out i'm gonna find it you yeah. talk amongst yourselves and then, that reminds it. me People of the condition that they talk about on npr it's the guy that's the host of wait wait don't tell me who's got a great voice and it's this thing where you meet your favorite radio star in person and they're not as good looking as you thought they would be. It's <laughs> <laughs> got a face for radio. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the thing that kept jumping out at me was the casting. Like Tim, seeing Timothy Spall play just a straight guy, like he wasn't playing some crazy character, which is what I've a seen. a bad guy, do. you know? Yeah, which I've seen him do so many fucking times. Um, I screamed when I saw Leslie Manville's name because uh-huh. my short digression that I wanted to go on was I just watched all three seasons of Harlots. Ah, and yes. Leslie Manville is one of the main characters in it. And she's so good. And it's just a great cast. Samantha Morton, um, Lady Sibby from Downton Abbey. You get to see her in her powdered wig and corset having sexy times with people. Nice. Um, Liv Tyler and um, is it Danny Sapani? He's in. Uh, he's been in everything. If you saw his face, you would know him. Yeah. Um. But it's just, and it's just more fun English, like period style. Like I just love it. And and Leslie Manville just played a social worker. She didn't even have a name in the cast list at the end. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. No. It's um. And that scene is so good. She's so amazing in that scene. And uh. And the stress and. And the levels of, I mean, all of it, you know, watching Mrs. Hughes from. Well, and I didn't know that was her to like the last 20 minutes. It, it, and took, then I was it, like, it took me, it took me I about. freaked out. <laughs> it took me about halfway through. Halfway through, I'm like, holy shit. I was like, I know that is. voice. Yeah. I know that voice. She must do voiceover. She must do voiceover. And I finally looked it up and yelled at my phone for five minutes. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, okay, and, I'm, I'm back in because I, I couldn't find the actual answer. Everybody was like, it's the titular line. I was like, no, there's a name. Somebody, I learned this once. And maybe I was lied to. Secrets and lies. Oh, uh, who are you talking about right now? I missed uh, it. All the cool actors that all the, were just in all this the, all No, but specifically, you were just talking about someone you realized, oh, shit. Oh, and then you it's, um, it's Mrs. Hughes, Hughes from, from Downton Abbey. She's from Downton Abbey. But, <laughs> So but I know her as. Hang who's on. The actress. <laughs> she. Uh, is she Scottish? I think so. Um, She's got a little bit of a brogue. Uh, oh, Phyllis Logan is her yes. name. 
And she's... oh yeah, she's fantastic in this. She's well, phenomenal. and she's she's. I mean, you know, she's completely covered up from ankle to her neck, and like is is like a spinster type, and like and in this, she's you know wearing form fitting clothing, and it's it's just, I just love it. I love that Miss Hughes. Uh, I'm kind of like a modern day Miss Hughes. I carry that many keys on me at all times. What? <laughs> it's just um, being a personal assistant. Yeah, she's awesome. I, and then, um, and then there are two our two leading women, Marianne Jean Baptiste and and um, Wow Brenda Blethyn are just Brenda Blethyn is like. I mean, like, they're both pretty transcendent in yes. this, right? Yeah. And I don't know either of them from anything else, to be honest. They both have continued to work. They've both done endless stage My, stuff. Right. The first thing I think of when I think of Brenda Blethyn is The Witches. The original yes. The Witches. Oh, okay. Which is, uh, she plays Bruno's mother. Mrs. Jenkins, I think, is her name. Uh, right, right. That's a weird pull. I'm not actually looking at her. <laughs> I, uh, I, she is, uh, she's been in tons of shit, though. And especially, like, British TV. Like, really big staple there. And then, like, a ton of ton of films. And then she does, you know, she's around in the voice acting gig because she's got that How voice. How could you not? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she's incredible. But who is the, who, Hortense. Yeah. Marianne Jean Baptiste. She is what a name. Great name. Yeah, yeah phenomenal right? name. She to me is is the when I finished this film, I was like, Why are you not in the MCU? Why are you not in sure. every movie? Like right. you should you should yeah. be an American crossover. Easy. Well she's mm-hmm. been on phenomenal. She's been on what hold on, let me look up the show. She, well, one she of those... was she's been on like Without a Trace and something. Like yeah. right. That's like her big show. But the the big one that I know her from, which sucks, is the RoboCop remake. Remake, oh, it's the worst, <laughs> the worst. So bad. Uh, she's around. I mean, you know, there's. Yeah, but there's yeah, stuff. why isn't she some big fucking but, star? Yeah. She's on the show Homecoming, which has been on um, for a while. Yeah. I don't know. She, she Broadchurch. Oh, she was on Broadchurch. I forgot about I that. Still, it's on my list. I still haven't watched that, and I know I need to. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, she just is one of those. Just she just keeps working, and yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to have a massive, massive career because I just I, oh, agreed, I was, she agreed. Was breathtaking this whole film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and just the way that you learn about her, and there were things that I picked up on this time that I hadn't noticed before. For example, she she's an optometrist, and at one point she says, "I help people see." And that's in essence what she's doing. And on the flip side, Timothy Spall is a photographer and he's sort oh. of watching and taking and all those little montages of him. I, I wrote say, that down. Those were like, some of my favorite moments oh, in the my film. God. I could watch the picture taking stuff all day. <laughs> right. The dynamics of the different people, the dynamics of how Spall interacts with them, gets them to react, gets them to laugh. That one, the nurse who is like asking questions and she's like, yes. Yes, and then he says, "Like, would you like a stethoscope?" And she like she barely smirks. cracks a smile. And he gets the, gets the yeah. Shot. How long have you been working there? Did they give you anything? Not even a stethoscope. And then yeah, she's just like it's really solid stuff. That to me is it. It kind of reminds me of when Harry met Sally. Yeah, yeah. Where every all those time cutaways cuts to those cutaways with the couples, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I could watch those all. Oh, yeah, day. those were totally. some of my favorite moments in the movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it just again, and then everybody who steps up, um, 
the the actress who plays um what's her name uh claire rushbrook who plays roxanne the the oh, daughter she's, she's fantastic oh and, and she the builds and as mother daughter are a oh my god just pair. all those really scenes well of them cast. sitting around smoking cigarettes and just snipping at each other yeah it's fucking great but then the build-up and the release and her when she finds out everything on her birthday and just her the camera on her and her eyes and the tears and just absorbing that her entire perception of life has been changed yeah. her perception of her mother her perception of her family all of it i feel like this is something i say every time i watch a british film too something that i appreciate about british film and television i'm getting a big dose of it now getting back into doctor who is they the are Tom so Baker much ones the old ones the good ones <laughs> <laughs> no i'm on samuel compaldi right now he's my second favorite um after david tennant no, I don't you even fucking get me. I'm, I'm getting okay. Started. Say okay. what you were saying. <laughs> you guys did it. Boo. Um, is the fact that they are so they're they're just way more comfortable and they're better at hiring people that just look like people instead of like yeah absurdly hot and impossibly good looking and thin people like right. yeah. And I know you, Hollywood's getting better at that, but I feel like British the British folk have always been. Well, especially this like this is also indie film, which is which America does well to to do that casting well too. I think in most Amer in indie sure, circles, they sure. do an okay job. Not a great job. They're still casting <laughs> Andrew Garfield, you know. But <laughs> but no, I agree. But I think in general, there is just a different look to the movie stars of of England. Like they're just there's this or Britain in general. Like the, the well, you know. The 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 places that are over there, the European places, you know what I mean. Um, there's just like a lot of I'm, I don't know what anything is after Brexit and all the shit. I'm like, okay, people get offended when you call it. Um, nothing's like, happened. They're just still fighting about it. As I know, as but like I said, Great Britain the other day, and someone was like, "Don't say that's not a thing anymore." I was like, "Oh, it is a thing." They're like, "No, no, no, you can't say that to Irish people." I was like, "Oh, okay, great." They're like, uh, <laughs> "Noted." <laughs> or like Northern Ireland, I don't know. I'm, I quit. I quit. So um, England is the country. Great I, Britain is the island. Okay. Uh, the United Kingdom is the whole kit and caboodle minus Northern Ireland. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think they all have their sort of, you know, um, there's a look that, you know, Ian McKellen is considered like sexy there in his Oh, but I think right? he I think back in his no. day he was sexy. No. Yes. <laughs> Have you seen his teeth? I don't I mean that's a bad I, that's a terrible thing. Teeth are a big thing for me. They were Imagine when I was like Stuart 13. Now. <laughs> the stew man. Handsome. I'd got cock. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so the other cast member I think is worth shouting out is uh, i mean they're all phenomenal right yes. they're all worth uh, yeah. shouting out but someone i thought really fit well in this movie is elizabeth barrington and she's the assistant she's, <laughs> yes! she's so good um, i was sure i had seen her somewhere and i didn't recognize anything she's on in, her list one of my favorite movies she's in is in bruges the martin yes, mcdonough yeah yeah uh <laughs> movie uh he's a phenomenal playwright martin mcdonough we'll talk about him someday uh uh spencer she's in she's princess anne yeah. Um, which was a fine, okay, not so good movie. It wasn't good. Um, and then Last Night in Soho is her most recent right. film. But yeah. I haven't seen that, so I actually With don't know. With my favorite Doctor Who. Uh, 
Tom yeah. Baker. Yeah, right. Um, uh, Matt Smith. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It, and let's talk about some of these individual moments and scenes because there's I'm down for that. I got there's, 10. There's legends about stuff because the way things unfolded and the way things happened. So I'm thinking specifically of the scene right after they meet uh, in, in the cafe and they're sitting next to each other. The moment mm. she remembers and the moment she remembers. And that literally was a recollection from the rehearsal that had happened nine months prior like or whenever the the rehearsal process had happened it was this one thing that he dropped in there it's like when you were 15 you had sex with a black guy like and he just dropped it in and she recalled it and she's recalling it in the moment and that's what is just sort of jaw dropping as you're watching her face going <gasps> like and you you can't like it, it's hard to manufacture those reactions and those types of things and he buries those in in all kinds of moments throughout that's true yeah i think it, it it's the genius of her it's the the genius of this whole thing is the is the improv of it all the you know kind of we talked about it with the big chill where they have built these almost Synecdoche, New York-esque other worlds, other lives. Uh-huh. Right? That's a Charlie Kaufman reference for right. those Right, nice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Um, but it's... It, some of the best acting in the movie is that moment. And it is... If it is a real recall moment, that's even more amazing, Scott. But I... It gave me the chills like the final moment of The Graduate, uh -huh. which I've talked about a hundred times. Mike Nichols, you know, the final moment of The Graduate as they realize what they've actually done, uh -huh. right? And the way he actually captured that was he just told everyone, like, I'm going to keep rolling for, like, way too long. And so he just rolled on them for, like, minutes after their lines were done, and they just kind of sat there like... I guess we keep acting. There was no cut and he just stayed behind the camera rolling and everyone else on the bus was still in action, kind of doing the thing. And so they just sat there kind of looking back and forth. I guess we just sit here, but just it plays as like, Oh shit. Oh shit. What have we done? Yeah. Everything's bad. This whole movie maybe was a waste of time, right? <laughs> <laughs> which I love. And this, that moment had that same weight to me. Um, and to know that it also came from a similar mm. weird, like, you know. directorial seed planted is interesting. I love that moment. I also love the, to back up a little bit, the scene where Hortense actually calls her for the first time. Yeah. Heart-wrenching. My oh. heart was beating out of it, my chest, and I was with both of them completely. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think because we are seeing... Like her as Blevin, as a parent. What is her name in the movie? I just forgot. Um, her name's Cynthia. 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 Cynthia We're seeing so much of Cynthia's like inner life, right? Mm -hmm. That, and it's kind of interesting to see people like parents specifically in other circumstances. It humanizes them to us a lot because I think in other movies you wouldn't see her very much, right? And when it got to her. She'd just be kind of this crazy, annoying mom, and you'd sure. be like, you'd be like, oh yeah, 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 I get it. But we've seen so much of what's led her to be the way she's being already mm -hmm. that 
I don't really question anything she's doing, and I'm sort of on both of their sides. And I found myself being more on Cynthia's side than Roxanne's side in those scenes when they're oh, yeah. playing the sort of like annoyed with my mom stuff. Oh yeah. I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm not with you, Roxanne. And I think some people would be. I'm just not. Right. I think it's also a realization, I don't know, that I definitely came to when I was just a little bit older because I hated my fucking parents for like eight years. And then I came back around. I was like, well, and she's like in the middle of that. I hate my fucking mom right now. Right, right. Phase. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And with the uh, I, I going back to the Roxanne character, I think another really clever thing is when you first see her picture, when you first see her talked about, it's them with the picture on the mantle of her as a the little kid. girl yeah and she's like and i think timothy spall says i think that's the last time she smiled she hasn't smiled in you know in 17 years and in you're already set up for somebody who's gonna yeah. be dark and and then to unveil why you know and that that also that these are just real people there's nothing crazy or out of whack yeah. about them they're grounded real human beings working through life and I mm -hmm. think there's it's worth mentioning that British racism and American racism though sisters are different yes right um and I don't know much about their structures uh, societal fucked up systems right like I don't I just don't know much about their history except that it's bad. They were like know? 50 years ahead of us. That's yeah, barely. It. They yeah, were like yeah. barely ahead yeah. of us. And so I don't know where they're at now. I don't know where they were at in 1996. Mm -hmm. But well, watching this movie, there are those tiny moments where I currently in a 2022 lens, right? am going like, what are they? Whoa, this feels bad. This feels bad. But then I realized like, yeah, this is how this woman would react. This is how this woman would react to getting this call in this moment after the things that have happened to her. Sure. Yeah. And I almost forgive everything that is said and everything that is done because by the end of the movie, the movie isn't actually about black people are human too. That's not what the movie is ever no, trying to say. Though no. that is an obvious statement. <laughs> but it's the movie never feels the need to actually press to be like, and also race, let's talk about it. They kind of don't. No, the one, that? Like, the one yeah. thing that felt a little weird to me, and maybe you guys, yeah, maybe y'all felt different, was when Hortense asks who her father was. Oh. Yeah, that's gets the part real I'm really emotional again, about. and I'm like, are they trying to suggest that she'd been raped? So, and that's I don't know if suggestion. I was just an extra sensitive, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's a legitimate thing. I that's definitely the suggestion, in my opinion. I don't know about you. Scott. Oh, really? Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Which I just part I, of it too. I, is I totally it's... get it, though. I totally yeah. understand why. I just think that this is sort of why I brought this up though siege and, and Sky. Mm -hmm. like this is sort of why I brought up the, the race thing is that I don't know what the politics of this are. So right. I don't know if it is a stereotype there and I'm sure it is. I'm because quite if, sure. It because is, but... to me, if that's what's intended, then yes, stereotype. And if it's not what's intended, then a it's saying something stereotype. about Cynthia. 
You know, right. I mean, it does two different things. Uh, yeah, that's but an interesting But I can tell you how point. it came off to me. Yeah, no, that makes t- total sense. I totally get it. I, I think this time around, because I knew, although it had been a while, a while since I'd watched it, um, I knew that you never, that that discussion was never had. And so I guess I was thinking of, of something different that it was more of a one night stand thing that it was more of a I don't I didn't I didn't I know, know. Yeah. I didn't know him and I don't I wouldn't know how to tell you that and I and, wonder if and I'll I'm gonna rewatch it I know it's a long movie but I think it's like actually worth the rewatch I'm gonna rewatch it I wonder if CJ just worth stating I wonder if you and I put our own weird racist like internalized racism behind it and just assumed that by the way she was acting it I don't, I don't know. know. I yeah. I, I don't think you. I don't think that, I that view that is wrong. I would. I would love to. I'm going to think about that more because um, now one of the things that Mike Lee did say in the concept of this movie, which was initially about, I think a friend of his told a friend of his had been adopted, and then the law right. was passed in '75, right, where people were. I was reading up on this a little too. Where they had the right to do it. Um, and he talks about um, uh, black British people at that time that he said that, it, that there had been a change and a shift in how they were viewed and how they had been stereotyped in the media on television and stuff like that. Sure. And that he was like, oh, I haven't seen this. He's like, oh, wouldn't this be a cool twist right. to mm-hmm. talk about? And so, it's, it's and worth... then he presents this, you know, this amazing woman. And then you have the scene with her and her friend early on while they're drinking wine. Well, or whatever. And, and the other great. thing, lovely, yeah. The other thing I I read about him too that the reason why he went the direction that he did was he was wanting to tell a story about um, black people in in a different role from what they were being portrayed as in a lot of films because i was like what was the same time like what dangerous minds was the year before where a white savior comes in and saves a bunch of black kids sure from the ghetto yeah yeah type of shit so sure. he was just trying to like do something different than what everyone which we appreciate kind of him using yeah. his privilege for but also like could have been cool to have it written directed by a yeah black woman or Maybe. It is 25 years ago, though, too. I mean, no, yeah. I get it. I get yeah. it. Because yeah. at that time, it was, yeah, it's like why Spielberg, you know, directing Color Purple was such a big deal to a lot of people because it was like, well, that's the most mainstream it gets, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. as for right now. Sure. Um, so I get it. Uh, another moment I think is worth mentioning in the movie that I, I absolutely love is um, specifically the dinner table everything breaking down i call it the august osage county scene oh at the at the end at the barbecue yes man they were oh. eating a lot of good barbecue food oh, man. exactly the yeah. food is, is on point and then that moment where uh hortense goes in the bathroom and cynthia finally is like she's my daughter and breaks down i oh. love that scene every oh, single person and... it takes its time on every person and shows exactly and how they're, they're all feeling. just like what what <laughs> what like and um and I, and and let's give a shout out to Tim, to Timothy Spall too because he's just this rock throughout. You know, he's fucking and, great in this, and he's so good, and he's he's a kind person. And... May I say, Scott? Every time he came on screen, I had a moment where I went, "Is that Scott Leggett?" Oh, it's Timothy Spall. Uh, <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm much better looking with Timothy Spall. No, <laughs> no I agree. I, I agree. He's I'll take he's it. literally like, a rat. But, but I, no, what I really meant was like. 
type wise, you could play that. He's your part British quite uncle. Easily. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Like if this was a play, that would I would call you to play the part. Right. You know is what I'm saying. You have it. Um, no callback and, necessary. And I would be Cynthia in like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought of you uh, in actually the Roxanne. In five years. The Roxanne role. Just, um, just <laughs> I agree. I a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. Oh, she's got and and um, Brenda Blethyn's got some some fucking there's a line that she has that she's got more than one of them that just sitting there with a face like a slapped ass like it's just like these great <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah, one-liners yeah. and she's just like throwing out um, ebert freaking love this movie oh, oh yeah. yeah i read that review yeah the review is solid there were there there were a lot of quotes so i didn't even pull any i was like this everyone just go read the review the whole review is like him just like living for it just orgasming for like, it it's, it's just great. if he's like if you're into emotional honesty yeah. and you know he's like this is very tight this is as real as it gets it, like, it, okay i don't know <laughs> but it you know it just and it endures and we should we should talk a little bit about the oscars talk a little bit it, about it. that it was nominated and what was going on that year which was a weird year in film and it's one of those years that proves that sometimes the oscars just gets it fucking wrong is this the 96 uh, oscars it's uh i think or it's the, the 90 97 it's the 97 oscars so it's fargo english patient wins best picture yeah. uh it's jerry Maguire year so cuba gooding wins yes um, okay i see i see and uh and so brenda blethener is nominated uh marianne jean baptiste is nominated mike lee is nominated for script and director and it's oh, nominated this is for best jeffrey Pitch. rush for shine it's this jeffrey rush for shine year, year like uh, you know which is beats billy bob rush so yeah he beats, beats billy, billy bob Thornton and sling blade yeah uh billy bob gets a uh, writing oscar that year right. and right. uh yeah it's it's a weird year and like i i don't mean to bash on the english patient i think it's a it's a beautifully made film with some really great people in it but tell me that Fargo isn't the movie and secrets and lies aren't the two that I've carried with me for, you know, ever since those are the ones that endured. Could you watch Jerry Maguire right now? <laughs> I, I do think Francis McDormand in Fargo is pretty transcendent. But oh yeah. Yeah. Cause no. I know she has so many things after that, that are Oscar worthy. I would give this to Brenda Blevin this year. Yeah. You know, because the other people it's up against is Emily Watson breaking the waves, which, which is, those, okay. that's one of my, that's going to be on a future Scott pick will be Lars von Trier's breaking that's the waves. Although Ooh, that's, okay. it's a brutal fucking watch. That's on Jodorowsky level, like for CJ. I feel like watching well, Inducement. But um, her, but Emily Watson's performance in that is it's phenomenal. But that it, it's also Chris and Scott Thomas for English Patient, and then Diane Keaton for Marvin's Room, a kind of unsung movie. I think that movie kind of slaps. It's slow, but it's I like it. I think Leo's good in it. I don't know. Okay, yeah. No. Um, Brenda Blethyn for Secrets and Lies, I think would beat Francis for me that year, only knowing where Francis heads in her. Yeah, future. you know, she got three. Uh, she got three. Now. But I would add a few people to that. I don't know. There's just some. Like, and I would also delete some people, like Barbara Hershey for Portrait of a Lady. Eh. Yeah. Lauren Bacall Mirror has two faces. Eh. Joan Allen, The Crucible. Eh. Yeah. People love that movie. But Marianne Jean-Baptiste gets the nom and and, and no love. And I, I think Juliette Binoche wins for, the, is for great. the English patient. She yeah, love totally. Oh, yeah. Juliet, but... Yeah. I do think in a alternate reality where race is not a factor, uh, 
Marion Jean Baptiste has a better chance this year. That's just my opinion. And it's also, you know, it's also the case of a very small uh, British film that made it to the Oscars on its own merits. Like it doesn't yeah. have, they didn't have the the budget to do the campaigning for Oscars and and right. all that stuff. Speaking and, of uh, Mike Nichols, this is the same year as The Birdcage. Oh yeah. right, right, yeah. right, right. Also, uh, oh, this is crazy. He just keeps coming up over and over and over again. You know who shot Fargo? You know who the cinematographer? Oh yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, it's Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins, yeah. Deakins his... has done everything. I'm gonna. He's we're done gonna everything. Do an stuff where we just talk through Roger Deakins' filmography. Oh, I've got my my buddy who's a DP. We could have on Brad. We Richard gotta go. We gotta do. I just like... bought a Criterion edition of a movie I've never seen because Roger Deakins shot it, and it's apparently. My brother says it's the best anti-war film of all time above Full Metal Jacket and and such. And I was like, wow, okay. So I bought it. It's Russian. It's called Come and See. Do oh, you know this movie? I, I know what you're talking about. And I've okay. never well, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to tell you about it. But anyway, well, You we should digress. watch it and then come over and bring it. Digression. Digression. <laughs> anyway, it's a good year. Fly Away Home. Emma. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. Yeah. No, it was a, it was an interesting Oscar year. And Milos and the People versus Larry Flint. Yeah, oh, that's right. Woody Harrelson got nominated that year. So, all that to say, like it it got a little snubbed. Also, British movies tend to, unless they're like really, uh, unless they are gonna pick up uh, design awards, usually, right? Sure. Like Topsy Turvy sweeps a lot of design awards that yeah. year when that yeah. Mike Lee directs. Yeah, uh, Mr. Turner does not weirdly. No, um, even though. It was designed incredibly well uh i think spall was the only person on the awards circuit for mr turner yeah and yeah and he was pretty awesome in it yeah he's fantastic um okay well i mean the rest of the movie isn't that great i just i like it because of him um and the direction's great sorry that was probably a loud pop i'm sorry it wasn't that bad loud pop Okay, well, we should get out of here. Is there anything y'all want to close out with about secrets and lies? Do you want to share any secrets or lies? We didn't um, play two truths and a lie. No, we didn't. Secrets and lies. That's no, it. no, it's all right. Um, I will just say that I loved the ending of the film, the hopefulness of it, and the mother and the two daughters sitting there and her kicking back and going, this is the life, isn't it? Uh, and that journey and that arc when you connect it to where she came, where she was at at the beginning of the thing. And um, I just, yeah, I just, I just was knocked out by it. And it, we, I don't know if we always value that type of acting and the ability to, to carry those intimate moments. Uh, we, we, we like showy stuff and there's nothing showy about any of these. They're all just grounded and real and every yeah. time one of them cries, I feel it. When Marianne Jean Baptiste gets the handed the envelope with all of her her birth certificate and all the information about her life that she's never seen, and just the single tear that comes down, I just uh, I just think it's a lovely movie and and extraordinary work that we should talk about more. Thank I agree. You see, you got a final you got a final word. I want to see it as a play. What word? <laughs> No, but I was glad I watched it. it. It was completely off my radar, and I'm glad I watched it. Why? Yeah, me too. I 
normally with movies like this, sometimes like when you first told me and I looked up the picture and I was like, uh, it's a drama. It's an emotional drama. It's a people drama. <laughs> right. Right. Acting based drama. Okay. Oh, it's two hours, 22 minutes. Uh-huh. Oh shit. Like I honestly was dreading watching this. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was like, this, this is going to be terrible. And then I sat down and I was fully engaged and didn't even pick up my phone. Like I, I finished the movie very quick. I mean, I had to pause it a few times for bathroom and snacks, but like right. it was, it was just an easy watch. And I recommend everybody check it out. If you haven't seen it, if you're already a fan and that's why you're listening, we appreciate you joining us. Yeah. We really, really do. Uh, do we want to spotlight any Los Angeles theater while we're here? Sure. LA Spotlight. Um, I'm just going to hype. I am doing a reading on September 3rd at the Broadwater Black Box uh, of a cool. play called If I'm Good uh, by Ronnie Larson, my friend uh, Nedra Gallegos from the, we went to Penn State together. Uh, are doing it and it is uh it's about um it's about covid uh and it's really cool. charged and really interesting and really different and uh i'm excited to do it but it's free if you're in la come on out uh, to the black box and uh and check it it's out on my calendar I'll thank be you cj got anything Yes, um, uh, Mud at Loft Ensemble in NoHo. It's going through Sunday, September 11th. It's on Fridays and Saturdays at 8. It's on Sundays at 7. And I am going Friday the 2nd, the night before Scott's show. So join me some, for some motherfucking theater this weekend. Oh, y'all. I might join you for that. Yeah. Mud, I might do huh? that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Loftensemble.org, written by Bree Pavey. Where? I helped with cool. the workshop reading of it. Sounds so. dirty. It is. Because <laughs> mud. mud. Is, yeah, you're right. Okay. My name is Mud. Primus, anybody? Anybody? No. Okay, thank no. you. That's, fine. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. I don't have anything. There's nothing really coming up for me that I can think of. No. Theater does not exist in this dojo. So, <sighs> um, I love you both deeply. I appreciate you doing this episode with me. Let's yeah, no, thank you. Out. Thank you. Thank you for joining for us. <laughs> thank you, listeners. For joining us for uh, this Scott pick and stuff. Thanks, Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, Secrets and Lies. Join us next week. Uh, what's next week? Well, Matt. while you're here, go back and check the episode we dropped a few days ago, which was our interview, our artist spotlight of our winner of the Theater Theater Playwright Award. It's Maddox Pennington. Yes. And the next mini series that we're doing, now that we've done our bonus break, is Maddox Pennington himself. We're actually covering the works of our winner. So that is what you get when you win the, the Hollywood Fringe Theater Theater Playwright. <laughs> uh, so we're actually reading their plays, and we're going to discuss them with them. And we've named the podcast. Do you all remember what it is? Because I, I uh, It was I love awesome, it. but I can't remember it. It's uh, Rather than naming it after one of their plays, we have named it after them. It yes. is... Madcast Poddington. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I want to see that show. I want to see. I know. I do too. So Maddox is incredible. Getting to talk to them for just a little bit was was beautiful. Like I can't wait to share their energy with you. Uh, really, really fun and and bright and will teach you things that you're you're just not you didn't know you needed to know. That's how Why that's not? how it feels. So join us for that, and then after that, we'll have another mm stuff. 
Yes. Yeah. What is it? Is it CJ's? You know what? I'm going to just pull the trigger and say it. I want to cover um, Sam Cooke's One Night Stand at the Harlem Square Club. Everyone listening? Hmm? The whole album? Yes, it is a 45-minute yes. set cool. from 1963. No, I'm not available You can day. listen to it on YouTube. The entire album is there, y'all. Listen to it, because it is a live, beautiful performance from top to bottom. Sweet. That's rad. No, so we're going to cool. cover that'd it be as a... Nice, nice change of pace, too. Yeah. It is. And it's we're gonna... easy and fast, and y'all love it. Yeah, and we're going to sort of cover it as like a form of storytelling, right? As all... And also, into. like, I'm into the whole thing, the whole ritual of it all, too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ceremony. He was a the, church uh... boy, so. He, yeah, it's very theatrical. And I think that's that's a fun uh, fun topic that kind of brings us away from things. And then we'll plummet back into our next playwright, which will be super great. Uh, which we'll announce later. Later. <laughs> uh, but thanks for joining us. Let's close it out. Yeah. You. Oh, y'all, do you have <laughs> God fucking damn it. Do you have questions, comments? Um, do you want somebody else to do this part of the show? Well, you can email us. You can also reach out to us on Facebook, sure Twitter, do. or Instagram. <laughs> Scott. Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson, who writes our theme song. Our Party theme song. Yeah. Our theme song is better than your theme song. It's true. And you're about to hear it here at the end of this episode. He also writes all of our singers and he's an amazing human being. A big shout out to Pam Quinn, who wrote our special Insta theme song, which you heard at the beginning of this show. And then finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, Annie Baker, who writes every single one of our episodes and doesn't even know it. She knows. She uh, knows. One day, Annie Baker, we're going to buy you a beer. That's right. Please subscribe, rate and review. It really does help. We'll talk to y'all later. See you next week for Modcast Poddington. Bye. I am. What, see, you guys just wait for the song now. You're supposed to like yeah. keep, keep going no, until no, I get no. into it. It's fine. It's fine. You just wait. I am what you want me to be. I am your worst fear. You'll find it in me. Come closer. Come closer. I am more than memory, I am what might be, I am mystery, you know me, so show me, when I appear, it's not so clear, what's it from, if I am a spirit or I'm flesh and blood, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm so alive, and I feel on the fear that's behind your Tabby. eyes, what? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't no know. Idea. Is that a culture club song? No. I don't this know is... culture club. Oh, from Taboo. No. That's what I is... did. <laughs> Jesus, y'all. It's next to normal. See you later. Uh, <laughs> oh, later, everybody. The theater. The theater. Theater. Theater.